0: Well, we have been going through the Book of Mark, and you're still wondering. I don't understand what in the world that song had to do with anything else that we're doing today. But we're going to get there, I promise, and it's all going to make sense. But last week, if you were here, we had a great day. We we celebrated our our child dedication, family dedication. We had uh, just a stage full in the second service of uh, of little babies and their families. It's just a great day for us as a church to kind of surround them and, and celebrate that. And and we looked at, at Mark chapter nine and ten where Jesus was blessing the children, and and he's saying, hey, listen, you know, you've got to receive the kingdom of God like a little child. You're kind of having that childlike faith. And this is why I love doing a a series like this, is because what follows next, as soon as Jesus had said that, the very next thing that happened is we're we're going through the book of Mark, there's an interaction with a, a man that we would say was a pretty blessed kid. We just... Call him the rich young ruler that's all we know we don't know his name we just know that he's kind of a rich guy you know and he had the status and he by by any measure any mark you want to look at he's he any of us would say man if my kid was like that turned out that way I'd be thrilled to death you know to be to be successful and and doing well and doing all the right things and and uh, and and also he's kind of a church kid too and he's a lot like you and me in in one way and, and Phil kind of touched on that and John kind of touched on it a little bit uh, because today what we're going to talk about with this guy and, and what we're going to see in our own lives is, is I really believe that there is there's something in all of us that can really become a huge barrier to us taking the next steps in our faith and following Jesus you know we can all, we can all start out a little bit and and kind of okay. I'll kind of dip my toe in and and yeah, sure, sign me up. I, I want to follow Jesus. But there comes a moment where I, there's just something inside us that can hold us back. For this guy, it's pretty obvious what what his issue is. For us, it could be something else. You know, uh, I ain't rich, but I dang sure want to be. You know, I, I'm not the rich young ruler. And uh, but but we've all got something. When was the last time though that somebody asked you? To do something, and you thought this is just unreasonable. They're asking too much. You know, and nobody wants to work for anybody like that. Nobody wants to walk, work for a boss that's unreasonable, or, you know, even if it was your parent or a spouse or friend that says, This is what I need you to do, and I know this is going to stretch your, your ability, and I know I'm asking a lot, but I, I really want you to do this. And it just seemed over the top. The best leaders. are are those who know when to push limits and when to dream bigger dreams and demand more and pursue results that that most people believe aren't possible. And this is the thing, and this is what we're going to see, is God very often asks us to do things that seem unreasonable. It just doesn't add up. The standard is high, and he calls us to risk. I love this quote from Reggie Joyner. He says, the gospel is messy. Never settle, never settle for a version of faith that doesn't take risk. And this is what I'm going to argue, and it seems like the buzzword of the day uh, in the last several years. The buzzword of the day around the church and a lot of people who grew up in the church is the word deconstruction. Um, I've got a lot of friends that I grew up with. People I've known for a long, long time that they say I am going through a process of deconstructing my faith, and they'll post about that online to be the main. It's the main focus of their conversation. Well, what is that? What is deconstruction? Here's here's how I'm defining it: is allowing your doubts and the doubters to destroy your faith. That's that's what it is. Is I've I've got some doubts, and I'm, or I'm allowing people that have you know have big voices in my life to. Sort of drive me away from the Lord. And when it comes to our relationship with God, very often there may be something that seems unexpected or unreasonable, and we think to ourselves, that's not who I want God to be. I don't want, I don't like that. You know, if, if we read scripture, if 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 you don't come across something in the Bible every now and then that makes you stop and say, Huh, I'm not sure I am not sure I like that. If if we're not doing that, then we're we're not reading it. I mean, we've we got to allow God to drive us and, and, and to take us places that maybe we don't, we don't see that we're going there. Maybe we don't even feel comfortable. And uh, so it leads a lot of people to, to walk away or deconstruct, redefine their faith. But this is the thing about Jesus. is every time you think you've got him figured out, every time you've you got God in that nice little box that you've created, and this is who I want him to be, he does something unexpected. There's something new that you learn. There's some, a whole other dimension that you know nothing about. And, and it shouldn't cause us to doubt his goodness or his care for us. It hopefully should drive us to seek more of him. But we live in an age of skepticism. People love to be cynical. Uh, people love to find fault in things. And we love to find fault in People. We're always looking, we're always digging a little bit just to find, you know, oh, we, we want to see the flawed logic. I want to call out hypocrisy, you know, the moment that I see it, and, and we get so used to trying to see through somebody that we never actually see something that we want to build our life on. C.S. Lewis, you've probably heard of him, a great author, but uh, he was a, he was an atheist early in his life, and later on he, he uh, converted to Christianity, he wrote some amazing books, but one quote that I like, he said this: He said, You cannot go on explaining away forever. You'll find that you have explained explanation itself away. You cannot go on seeing through things forever. The whole point of seeing through something is to see something through it. You know, our culture is, uh, you know, you would call it woke or. I don't know what we're supposed to be now, but it's like we, 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 basically what we have done is we have really eliminated truth that everybody gets to define what's true. Where does that stop? Because at some point, everybody's going to say something or do something that offends somebody else. And So where, where, where is the, where's the foundation? When the foundation is removed... Where, where do we stand? And, and God always calls us to something and, and things that seem hard or impossible or unreasonable. Why would he push us like that? Why would there be things in scripture that make me uncomfortable? Why would there be things that challenge my thinking? It seems a little bit cruel. Why does God want to push us? Sounds like maybe of the father that you could never please. You could never earn his approval. Why would God do that? But He knows us. He made us inside and out. Uh, and and this is the thing. There's something in the human heart. There's something that God has placed inside all of us that desperately wants to be challenged. We want to be stretched. Now you maybe if you've been burnt out or you're tired or you say, you know, I grew up in a bad church. I, I just or I'm feeling beat up by the world. I don't I don't want to be challenged right now, but 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 really I think it's part of the fingerprints of God on us that we we wanna we want a goal. We want something to pursue, and Jesus over and over again calls people to go beyond the normal. So in Mark chapter 10, right after Jesus had blessed the children, it says in verse 17, as he started out on his way to Jerusalem, a man came running up to him, knelt down, and he asked, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus asked, why do you call me good? What's motivating you? Right now, why, why do you call me that? Only God is truly good. But to answer your question, says, you, okay, you, you want to know how to inherit eternal life? Well, here, here's, here's an answer for you. You know the commandments. You must not murder. You must not commit adultery. He's going through the Ten Commandments. You must not steal. You must not give false testimony. You must not cheat anyone. Honor your father and mother. You know all those things, right? And, and he said, well, teacher, I've obeyed all these commandments since I was young. He's the blessed kid. He's he's the, the the kid, that, man. He was up on the stage at church and we had the prayer and he kept it all and he did he did good. I've done all this stuff. He says, I've been there, I've done that. Now what? What is the next step for me? Tell me what, what to do now. I don't want to be content where I am. I want to experience a little bit more of your presence. And I don't know what was really truly motivating this guy. He's rich, he's young, and he's got status. So Maybe he just wants, you know, as much as he can possibly have. You know, what can I have spiritually that will make me superior? I don't know what was driving him, but, but maybe he's, he's wanting to take some steps. He says, tell me something new. I've kept all these commandments, which I find hard to believe, but let's say that he did. He says, tell me something new. Some of us, we've been around the church for so long, we find ourselves going through the motions, and maybe you kind of relate to that a little bit. You say, you know, I've been doing the same thing for a while now. I go to the same Sunday school class with the same people, and I go to the, you know, same service, and I, I read the same devotionals, and I watch listen to the same music, and I do the same, and, and it's just like, yeah, I'm my my spiritual growth is kind of just, kind of just, just in this rut. Maybe you say, I, I, yeah, I'd like to something new. I want something a little bit different. I want to feel something a little bit different. So Jesus is going to push this guy. And this is a great message for us because a lot of us are like him. And we've been around, we we haven't worked out some of those spiritual muscles in a while. And and, uh, this rich guy, as I was preparing this message, one thing that occurred to me this week. Every sermon I think that I've ever heard on this passage focuses on one thing. And I've preached several messages on this passage and I've focused on this one thing too. And that is that this guy's rich. And we as Americans, compared to the rest of the world, we're rich. So, you know, we're kind of just like this guy. And it, all, it becomes all about our money. And, and that's fair. That is fair. But I, I thought about another side of this. This guy was rich in his context. You know, I, I ain't rich. <laughs> not compared to some of my neighbors. Not, not compared to the, the people living in the million-dollar homes. I mean... If we're, if we're going to compare to you know third world country, yeah, we're we're wealthy on a worldwide scale. But in in my context, and in, in many, I'd say probably most of us in this room, in our context, we say, yeah, I'm not feeling very rich when I'm struggling to pay rent. You know, I'm not feeling very rich when I, you know, gas is up, you know, over four dollars a gallon, and I'm trying to decide, do I fill up the tank or do I go buy groceries this week? What do I do, you know? So I was thinking about that. This guy was wealthy, well-known, and successful in his community. But Jesus sees something in him that was in the way. All of us have something that's in the way. Maybe it's not money. Maybe it's not. Maybe it's pride. Or maybe it's just that I've got this... Overwhelming desire to just—I'm—I'm I'm really worried about my reputation and how people view me and how they see me—and so I'm always trying to manipulate that, or, or you know, it's about the 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 job that I have or that I want or that I'm do, desperate to keep. It's—it's it's the way that I treat people. Whatever it is, there's something there's something in us that drives us. That it may not be the abundance of stuff, but there's always something. And Jesus it's, says that he looked at this guy. Looked at this man in verse 21, and he felt genuine love for him. And I really like that. That's one of those things I've got underlined in my Bible. That he felt genuine love for him. And he said, well, there's still one thing that you haven't done. And I really like it tells that Jesus loved him. We've got to remember that God wants us to do things that are hard. He wants to stretch us because he loves us. Not because he's the kid on the anthill with the magnifying glass. Not because he's trying to mess with your life and just make you unhappy all the time. But he wants you to grow and and, and it may be uncomfortable and we kind of bristle at that. You know, well this is unreasonable but it's because he loves us because he's like a a great coach. He knows where we need to grow. Uh, He knows where, where to push for our benefit and he identifies something in this guy's life. He says, okay, let's go there together. Let's take a step together. And you got to be careful what you ask for. If you ask God to develop you, then don't be surprised when he begins to reveal areas in your life that need to be developed. If you say, I want to go to the next level spiritually, I'm not comfortable where I am, don't be surprised when God takes you to some uncomfortable places. Because that's where growth happens. As Jesus sees this guy's heart. He knows exactly where to push. You look at the rest of the verse, it says, Go and sell all your possessions. And give your money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And then you come follow me. Now, this is one of those verses that we can't pull out of the Bible and apply it across the board and say, well, "This is what all of us are called to do." So, everybody, go home, put your stuff on eBay today, and and uh, give it all away. And then we're gonna just, you know, we're gonna figure it out from there. That's that's not. This is not Jesus saying, "Everybody for all time, this is what you got to do." He's speaking into this guy's life says, you are beyond wealthy in your community. You have status. Uh, this has become a big barrier. This is what you care about most. And I know you, and I know there's an opportunity for growth, so I'm going to give you the chance right now to, to follow me. You, you can be with physically with me right now, but you gotta, first you gotta clear out some stuff. Because you can't follow me if you're hanging on to that. It's just not gonna work. He's giving him an opportunity. Yeah, it seems unreasonable, but man, what an opportunity. And and this is the, the great fixation that many of us have, finding faults in faith and finding faults in Christianity. We've become focused on looking for what's wrong, what's out of place, what doesn't make sense. We're focused on that instead of actually building our lives. And going in a, in a positive direction. What are we trying to hold on to? What's our life becoming? I don't, see, I don't see anybody who have deconstructed their faith that have gone on and now they're so much happier. Or now they're just so much more spiritually content. Or now they've built this great life. I just don't see that. I see the opposite of that. And we look at a little verse and we see this rich young ruler. And I'm going to argue that this guy is, is a... He is a poster child for someone that deconstructs. I don't like this. I don't want to do what you say, and so I, I'm, I'm not going to do it. We, we see this, and we think, well, Jesus is being cruel. He's setting this guy up to fail, but he knew, he knew his heart, and he knows us. He was trying to remove the roadblock. Here's a, something that I, I was thinking this week. We were thinking about cynicism and skepticism, Some people say, oh, I'm just, I'm skeptical of everything. Some people, being being cynical, we wear that like a badge of honor. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just a big cynic. Yeah, I'm just, cynicism and skepticism are not stable foundations. They're not going to get you where you want to go. They're not going to get you where God wants you to go. If we're always doubting the care of God, we're always resistant to what God says, we're never going to find peace. We're never going to be happy, ever. We start doubting the validity of God's word. And we start questioning what God has said. And sometimes I have people ask me and say, "Well, I, you know, do you really believe that? You know, this. You know, just pick your pick your hot button topic. Any of them. You know, whether it's uh, God's definition of marriage or God's definition of gender or God's definition of life, the sanctity of life. Uh, you know, whatever. Any hot button." Thing that's out there people say do you really believe what the bible says or don't you think don't you think it could have meant this or don't you maybe maybe that doesn't apply to us today and and I always say man I am always going to land on the side of what God's word says it's not my opinion it's just it's not my opinion I'm just going to land on the side of what God's words and people say yeah but but no 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 There, there are no buts because you're asking me to disregard God's word and change what I believe and know is true and, 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 and reject what God has said based upon the way you're feeling in this moment. And I can't do that. Well, thank you. <laughs> and Jesus asked this guy to do something hard. that was way out of his comfort zone. He's challenging the status quo and, and a lot of us are just like him. On the outside, we look great. We've we've done the right thing. We've got success. We we know how to hold ourselves. But it's just a it's just a facade that's covering up the cracks in our life. We got a I've got a friend here at church that uh, bought a house several years ago, and uh, before all the housing market stuff went nuts. But they, uh, they were looking at this house. House looked great. Made it put an offer in. Bought the house. Moved in. And within just a couple of weeks, they started noticing cracks everywhere, all over the walls. And what they discovered quickly was that the foundation was no good, but that the seller had taken drywall mud, putty, and had covered all the cracks and painted it so to disguise it so that it you know, wouldn't be seen. A lot of us are doing that. A lot of us are doing that same thing. We cover over the cracks in our hearts. We, we cover over the, the cracks of the way we feel like we're failures or we, we're not measuring up. The cracks of performance. You, you do not have to perform for God. And that's the, that's the struggle with the story of the rich young ruler. It, it feels like, okay, I've got to do something. I've got to do all these things before God will love me. You notice what it says. Jesus looked at him and he had genuine love for him. And then he asked him to do something. But his love wasn't based upon whether or not he did what he asked him to do. We don't have to keep doing and doing. Uh, Jesus has already died on a cross for us. He's already purchased our, our salvation. We don't have to perform for God. We just have to follow. And the truth is, for many of us, the things that we, we think we have to have to be happy and to be content, they're just covering the cracks. We often we don't know what our idol is till we face the prospect of losing it. And some would say, "Well, I don't have any idols." You know, there's nothing in my life like that. But and, and I, I would say, maybe maybe not, but perhaps you do, because your 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 idol is safe and secure as long as it's not being threatened or challenged. And oh yeah, I don't have any idols in my life. I don't have anything that's taking the place of God in my life because nobody's pushing on it. But the, but as soon as there's the prospect of losing it. Then, all of a sudden, everything changes, and this is the situation for this guy. He comes to Jesus. He says, I don't have any sin. I don't have any idolatry that's motivating my sin. And Jesus said, well, then give me your stuff, or rather, give your stuff away to the poor. Let's, let's get that out of the way. Jesus is calling that guy to engage. I want you to take this step. You're going to get rid of things that are holding you back, and you'll walk my trail. Come with me. Follow me. Follow me where I'm going. He makes the same plea to us today. Jesus is still calling us. He's saying, come follow me. This is how that guy responds. Verse 22, it says, At this the man's face fell, and he went away sad because he had many possessions. That was his issue. What's yours? What is the thing that if God called you right now and said, Listen, there's something, there's something in your life that's in the way that that it would it would be difficult it would be difficult to follow and and for some of us it just is maybe is the word of god itself we say I, i'm reading scripture and there's just things i don't particularly like i want god to be more like this and jesus would say to you i am who i am you, you've got to take me as I am. I mean, that, that, he is who he is. And, uh, in the Sermon on the Mount, you know, this is the thing Jesus always does whenever he's teaching. You notice he always turns up the heat a little bit. And in the Sermon on the Mount, his most famous sermon, he said, you've heard it said this, but I tell you this. He said, you, you've heard it said, uh, you know, and, and people deconstructing today, they, they always deconstruct in a way that makes life easier for them. But Jesus does the opposite of that. Jesus always says, well, you've heard this, but I say, and he amps it up, where we're, we're always looking for ways to to tone it down. He said, hey, uh, you know, uh, you've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery, but I tell you that if you've looked at a woman with lust in your heart, you, you've committed adultery in your heart. It's just next level. He says, you know, you, you've heard it said, uh, you know, eye for an eye, right? Tooth for a tooth, you know, if somebody hits you, they hit you, you hit them, right? They get one, you get one. But he said, but I, I tell you, turn the other cheek. He says, you know, if somebody wants to walk with you one, or wants you to walk with them one mile, go with them two miles. Let's go, let's go, let's crank it up. He's always amping it up to the next level. But the problem is, and and this is we really drill down on what's what's really what's really in here. I, I believe the problem with us today is, as believers, we are way more into our ideology than we are into our theology. You know, our ideology ideology is a system of ideas this is what I think what what do I think about this what do I think about that you know and, and I talk to people that will change their entire their entire uh, you know spiritual beliefs based upon a podcast you know oh i i read this book and it just wrecked me uh, you know I, I listened to something that somebody said and it just totally changed everything I'm like, you what <laughs> You've pulled away from the foundation of God's truth based on a podcast? Because we're into our ideology. We're into, what do I think about this? And what does somebody say about this more than we are theology? What is theology? Theology, theos, it's a Greek word for God. It's the study of God. That's what it means. What does God say about this? What is, what is, God has the final word. What did he say? We're way more into our political ideology, way more into our racial ideology and our justice ideology and our abortion ideology or whatever ideology you want to come up all across the spectrum. What do I think? What do I think? What do I think? Instead of our theology, allowing God's word to inform our minds and to lead our hearts. Jesus has this encounter with this guy and the guy turns and walks away because he says, I can't, I can't do it. I just can't do it. And Jesus turns back to his disciples, the guys that they've left everything to follow him and this is what he said. He looked around, he said to his disciples, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? And this amazed them. But Jesus said again, dear children, it's, it's very hard to enter the kingdom of God. In fact, it's easier For a camel to go through the eye of a needle, I feel like I heard that somewhere in a song sometime, but it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than it is for a rich person to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were astounded. They said, well, then who in the world can be saved? And Jesus looked at them intently and he said, now, humanly speaking, it is impossible, but not with God. Everything is possible with God. You see, it all rises and falls on the Lord. This is this is what separates our faith from every other belief system the world over throughout history. Is we we are the only people who say that it doesn't matter what you've done, it's what Jesus did. That the work is done on our behalf. We just follow him. We just, it's not, that's why it's not my opinion, it's not my thought, it's not my well, I think you ought to do this. It's about what does God say? And I'm gonna be faithful to that. I'm gonna try my best to be faithful to God's word. And I'm so glad that this verse is in there where it says, you know, everything's possible with God. That means that change is possible, that God can do more in our lives than we think. And this is the heart of this message. And what I really want to communicate to you today as we're wrapping up and thinking about, you know, thinking about, okay, where we go from here. I believe that Jesus is asking you a question today. That's will you engage? Will you take a step? I don't know what it is. I don't don't know what the the barrier is. Do you want to go deeper? Do you want to take your next step? Then it's time to engage. Because God is not into deconstructing. He's into restoring. He doesn't deconstruct. He restores. And I pray that we'd be a church full of people who say, you know, there's a lot about the Lord that I don't understand. And there's a lot about the Bible that I wrestle with. And I haven't got it all figured out, uh, but but I'm growing. And I would pray we'd be a church full of people that would say, I want God to restore my faith, to restore my heart and my mind to the place that he wants me to be. I love Psalm 51. Create in me, create in me a clean heart, oh God. Renew a loyal spirit within me and restore me. To the joy of your salvation and make me willing to obey you. Create, renew, restore. That's who God is. That's what he's calling you to. He's, he's not calling you to, 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 to just break it all down. He, he wants to renew, create, and restore. Let me pray. <clears throat> Father, thank you for <clears throat> your word. I thank you for this interaction that Jesus had, that we we can glean so much from it. I know that there, some of us today, that, that there are things in our life that are keeping us, that keeping us from you. And and I pray that you'd help us to know what they are, because we've got blind spots. We don't know what we don't know. We don't see what we can't see. So we need you by your Spirit to reveal that those things to us, those areas, so that we can that we can take the steps that we need to take and 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 draw nearer to you. Lord, I thank you for Christ that you sent your son who died for us and did the work so we could be in heaven and we could be saved, that our sins would be forgiven. And Lord, I just thank you that you are a good God that loves us and that you are in the business of creating, renewing, and restoring. I pray for every person here in this room right now that you would lift us up, draw us just a little bit nearer to you today, and encourage us this week. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. Well, God bless you guys. See you next week.